Hello, everyone. We're here live. Today, our guest is from Toronto, Canada. He is a seasoned leader in the wealth management industry and currently the CEO of Cedar Gold, of which he's a research strategist of the Cedar portfolio, which invests based on the principles of the Austrian School of Economics and Market Environmentalism, helping society and the environment at the same time targeting outperforming returns. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Bonugli. Great, Th thank you very much for, for having me and, and thanks for those kind words. Great to be here, Edson and Arthur. Thank you, thank you. And I, I'm also here today with my co-host, Arthur Falcão from Brasilia, Brazil, who has a very strong background in finance and investments. He's a financial planner at Multiplus Investimentos and also a student of High Global MBA. So welcome, Arthur. Thank you, Edson. It's a great pleasure to be here with you guys. And today we're going to talk about applying Austrian economics to your investment strategy. And we're going to look forward for this conversation. And we'll be right after the countdown. We'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is a global transmission. Hayek will be live in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the show. And now we're back. And to kick off, I have a, just a question for you, Richard. What, what do you do exactly and what are you working on right now? Sure. So uh, we started our company back in 2010. It's a focus on wealth management services and risk management services. About four years ago, we launched a new initiative to use the principles of the Austrian School of Economics in creating an asset allocation portfolio, essentially what makes sense to invest in. Uh, and it's a focus on great businesses from around the world that are helping uh, the environment and society at the same time as targeting outperforming portfolio returns. So we have a, a dual mandate. So basically I'm, I'm in charge of this group. Uh, we have a, a global team and throughout the, uh, the world in different continents. Uh, we, we do a lot of research on, on investments, on asset allocations. We also run a podcast program where we interview some of the best fund managers and economists from around the world. So we will do uh, discussions on the financial markets, on the economy. Uh, we'll also talk to industry gurus. So that, that's been going for several years, like five or six years. Um, and we have got a great traction on that. So it provides an awesome education if you're interested. Uh, we also are admired for that because we allow the guests to talk. So we generally do like 45 minutes, one hour, much longer than is on the, the financial media sites like Bloomberg or CNBC. So they really like to be on our program show. Amazing. If you have those information, we can put uh, the websites here for people to check it out. And uh, later we'll, we'll make it available in the post video. Sure. And what is it like for people out there so, um, who's watching us? What, what is the career like 
for in for an investment manager? Is it good money? Is it a safe yeah, career I, path? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's not a, du a direct path, right? You sort of go through different phases in your career. So in, in my case, I actually uh, started by uh, the internet businesses. So I was one of the first users of the of the internet in the world uh, back in in 1983 in, in university uh, back at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And so I, that's how I first came across the internet. And um, actually at that time, the reason I was using the internet was to do uh, nuclear fusion research, which is, we can talk a bit about that later, but that's sort of the ultimate energy source, no carbon emissions, scalable, robust, low cost. Um, so yeah, that, that was my, my research uh, focus as, in that time at, in university. Uh, but then in the 1990s, I, I set up internet businesses, in, internet infrastructures in different countries or, around the world. Uh, so that, that was a lot of fun, uh, you know, lots of travel internationally and uh, meeting all kinds of people. It was, it was uh, really uh, educational as well. Um, and then from there, my migration from my career moved into more operational uh, issues like with the internet and risk uh, that was initially operational risk, which led me into more financial risk as well. And so from that point, it was a lot of consulting work. I've done management consulting through KPMG, Ernst & Young, Capgemini. So that, that was uh, part of my career in, in doing more of the, uh, the management consulting area. Uh, which then led to more uh, services on, on wealth management and risk management. And then that's when we launched our company uh, back in 2010. So that, that's been going well. Um, so, yeah, and at this point, uh, we, we have this focus, as mentioned, where, you know, it's not, it's not about always just making money, but it's, you know, helping society and the environment at, at the same time. So... Uh, and, we, and we use uh, Austrian School of Economics as our guiding post. Uh, the, the other mandate I want to mention is just from the podcast that we do and overall is we're looking to provide a platform also from our perspective to help society and the environment discussions on economics. You know, we, we don't want to uh, do mistakes in the past that there's, you know, there's been uh, you know, to go to extreme socialism, for example, right? We don't want to go there. Uh, we want to preserve uh, free market principles and, and try to get more of a level playing field for, for everybody in terms of jobs, opportunities, economic growth. Okay. Awesome. So when you started the, the, the fund, you already had the idea or oh, we are going to apply Austrian School of Economics in here or you started and then you found out of the of Austrian economics and and all that. No, that's a, yeah, good question. Uh, it was sort of a an approach that said, you know, what we thought, you know, what makes sense now? Uh, we also don't want to use debt or leverage, especially in this environment that is characterized by excessive of debt and all the problems 
you know, especially in the indebted Western world today. So we wanted an approach that that didn't have you know debt involved or 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 leverage is another is another area. So and and that goes filters down to the businesses in the portfolio as well. Man, manageable debt and uh, little or no leverage. Um, but yeah, so we, we wanted to have an approach that uh, made sense uh, also for the long term and, um, you know, what made sense in this environment, uh, overcoming the challenges that, that are presented in this environment. Uh, we, we also wanted to serve as a platform, as, as I mentioned, to a larger meaning, you know, a larger sense, uh, helping society and uh, also with a focus in the millennium generation you know what what their challenges are for jobs uh, affordable housing you know so how how can that how can we bring this about with with economic thinking that makes sense uh, so we said look at that we asked ourselves does it make sense to use this as an investment philosophy so we did a lot of research on that uh, for a year or two and we compiled our results we we went to the Austrian economics conference in Vienna Austria that was held at the central bank there uh, a few years ago and we presented our paper there uh, which was well received and and discussed our, our research uh, and how we were going to approach so that, that's sort of how it all got started um, and a lot of the people we interview have have inputs so we we use also the podcast discussions as inputs into our investment process a lot of them are Austrian school economists themselves or fund managers that take a similar approach or somewhat similar, you know, some type of theory or approach using the principles of the Austrian School of Economics. And how did, how did you initially learn about the Austrian School of Economics? Um, so here in Toronto, there's a firm, uh, the Friedberg Mercantile Group, and there was a principal investment advisor uh, that was part of that company about uh, eight, 10 years ago. Uh, we were living like in the same condominium downtown uh, Toronto and uh, walking our dogs at the same time outside. So we just sort of met that way. And so I set up a relationship with him to help him on his, uh, his investment advisory business. Um, and so, you know, we, we talked about, you know, what's going on in the world today, what makes sense, uh, who, who has the better perspective. Um, so that, that, that was a long way because the, the firm that he works for uh, is Friedberg Mercantile Groups. So I, I wasn't consulting to that firm, but rather to the individual person. His name is Andy Hybeck. And so Andy and I started also a website at that time, Cliff Cool com where we posted uh, eight or nine posts a day on different articles that made sense uh, and just put it out to the public so we did that for like five or six years the the fund manager of the Friedberg mercantile group uh, his name is dr. Albert Friedberg he takes an approach also based on the Austrian School of economics uh, he's actually originally from France and grew up in uh, in Chile, and um, they also have a branch down there in in uh, in South America as well. So, so that was my my influence, and also the people that we interview, like Dr. Mark Faber, 
Um, uh, Daniel Lacalle, he's an economist in Spain. Uh, so these are like, uh, they take the Austrian school of economics approach, right, in their thinking. So strong influence from them, uh, you know, in, in learning from them when we're doing the podcast discussions. Amazing. And could, could you describe like two or, th or three theories, um, Austrian school theories, you actually, uh, you, you think are important for us to 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 consider when we are analyzing markets or even a, a in a specific a specific company sure yeah that's a great question the um the approach we take is sort of like a funnel um approach so we're we're looking at uh not only uh, you know the, the metrics from a qualitative Uh, or a quantitative approach, but also a qualitative approach. So uh, we have seven factors that we've distilled from the principles of the Austrian School of Economics that are qualitative and seven that, that are quantitative. And the principles are more uh, taken from what, what is uh, emphasized, right, in the Austrian School of Economics. So savings and, and investment is a big thing ra rather than borrowing and spending, right? The more of the Keynesian school of economics approach uh, based strongly on that. So savings and investment being a strong key. Um, and also a, a very high positive free cash flowing businesses. So we look at that type of metric, uh, free cash flows. That's one of our big metrics. Uh, we also look at scarcity of value, whether it be in the business model itself um, like in terms of commodity-based businesses uh, would, would be of interest, but, but, but also it, it extends the scarcity value principle to uh, outstanding number of shares, right? Because if you're always issuing more and more shares, you know, you're diluting the, the value of each share, just like uh, governments issue more and more currency, more and more money, money printing, you're diluting the value of, of the currency, right? ultimately creating an inflation, right, as a rise in the money supply. So, you know, we, we take uh, th these type of uh, characteristics into account. Also, um, innovation and technology. So with, with is uh, a strong, um, you know, uh, basically a burden to uh, a, a scale to, to approach, right? Uh, uh, how, how can businesses stay competitive? So we, we look at a strong uh, emphasis on technology and innovation. And, and this principle extends into the uh, market environmentalism uh, concept, which is, comes from the principles of the Austrian School of Economics as well. What happened was the Austrian Economic Center and the American Conservation Coalition got together and they came up with four principles Uh, and I think we'll, we can provide a link to those four principles also um, in this podcast. But it's an emphasis on technology innovation as one of the principles. Uh, other principles include like property rights, uh, because if you own the land, you're more likely to take good care of it in, if, you know, versus if it's owned by the government, say. Um, and also decentralized solutions. So there's an emphasized emphasis on that. Uh, Uh, lo local solutions, decentralized, those that are local to the problems have a better understanding of how to solve 
environmental issues than in some centrally planned agency like th think of the Soviet Union how bad they treated the uh, the environment you know with all kinds of radiation and dried riverbeds and lakes and all that so uh, not not a good idea to do it centrally so so yeah so our, our approach is is all on the principles the themes the the values that that are in the Austrian School of Economics all together uh, and then we, we also incorporate economic thinking from the Austrian school, you know, in terms of the business cycle and, um, you know, quantity of money. Uh, we look for when things are displaced out of place, there's strong uh, opportunities uh, when, when uh, extreme things happen. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of input from just uh, qualitatively from an economic perspective as well. Yeah. So, and you you guys only trade North American stocks, or you also have uh, international companies, derivatives, bonds, commodities, cryptocurrencies. Um, so it's only only uh, equities and only long only equities. So we do no shorting. Uh, there's no futures contracts. There's no options. Uh, there's no use of debt. Uh, no use of leverage. And so it's very straightforward um, and very traditional. Um, we, we also do uh, businesses from all over the world. They could be listed in different markets. Um, I mean, we, we have a few in Brazil, Argentina, uh, all over uh, J Japan, Singapore. Uh, we're in different places in Europe to uh, Germany, France, Norway. UK, Switzerland. So yeah, it's it's very, uh, very diverse. And, um, and it, it goes through a very strong uh, quali qualification process, uh, as mentioned, both qualitatively and quantitatively. So we have our analysts that are constantly looking for new additions to the portfolio, but also at the same time, making sure the existing holdings make sense, right? Because they may not have, uh, they might be doing things that we didn't expect or are no longer um, aligned with the qualification process that we have in place. Uh, can I ask a question, Richard? You, um, from what you're saying, I'm a layman here and I have little knowledge on um, financial markets in, in the details, but uh, would you say that your approach is uh, a fundamentalist approach? And if so, where does the Austrian economics go in there? Is there like a, a variation of the fundamentalist approach because of your input of the Austrian school? Or is it different? Is it the same thing? What, what would you say? Yeah, I would characterize it as like a value investing um, type of approach. Okay. Um, and the, the, you know, where the value we're looking for um, is is not so much a strict metric perspective as i mentioned because we we input both qualitative factors and quantitative factors as well so altogether 14 factors um, but to the extent that what we have done is the uh, we've taken uh, sort of a sequential process in identifying the principles of the austrian school of economics uh, some of which i i just mentioned and we've translated those to metrics that can be measured and observed in businesses so 
you know, free cash flow, total shares outstanding, uh, what percentage is owned by by the, the workers of the business or the, the management of the business, you know, a vested stake in the business. Um, and, you know, earnings per share, is there some type of dividend payout? So we, we translate it to a number of, of uh, metrics. Uh, and then we go further on that. So we, we then do a lot of research, you know, what, what uh, variation on the metrics makes sense uh, and what doesn't make sense. Uh, sometimes it depends on the industry. Uh, and, and also we, we need to look uh, what's going on behind the scenes as well. So like the total shares outstanding I mentioned uh, to ensure no share dilution, uh, we like to see stable numbers of shares over several years, three, three to five years typically, uh, either stable or, or going lower. But if it is going lower, we have to watch out because that could be being done using more and more debt, right? Which is anathema to the Austrian School of Economics. So, so we make sure that if there is share buybacks, it's done with uh, cash flow uh, on hand, um, you know, not not debt, right? So they're not borrowing and buying their own shares back, uh, but but doing it because it makes sense, um, you know, business wise, uh, and also e economics wise. So, so yeah, it's more of a value um, based approach. Uh, we we and for businesses that that are really good that tend to have been around for some time. So generally, the the startup companies don't don't fall within our our category of uh, what we look for. Um, and also, uh, you know, if we see there's too much debt relative to shareholder equity or, or assets, right, that's that's taken off the list. Uh, I mean, we're not strict on all of the metrics, but but we do have a, a sort of regimented process that, that we follow. Um, and then at, at the same time, you know, we're looking at the whole economics uh, basis right of the company how it how it's uh, behaving and performing within the country that it it does business in okay so you would say you have a more bottom-up approach or or you you don't have this kind of analysis like you worry first about how the business cycle where we are at the business cycle or you look first at uh, how this company is gonna behave in in, in the situation we are right now? Yeah, it's, it's a, actually a bit of both because uh, so like I was mentioning on the podcast discussions, we do a lot of discussions on the economy. So that sort of formulates our idea where things are going, you know, economy wise, central bank, you know, what, what, what are they doing policies? If there's anything we need to be aware of there. Uh, what, what's happening, you know, a central bank monetary policy or fiscal policy by governments. Uh, we also looked at geopolitical risks, you know, so all of this factors in from the top and then and then from the bottom is the, the more uh, metric based uh, analysis, you know, of, of companies. Um, so it's not strictly only um, uh, a, a funnel, like a, it's not a quantitative funnel, uh, but but rather it's a combination, you know, of all of the above. So, so that, that keeps us flexible because we recognize there could be times when it's not, you know, the, the economy is not likely to go in a, in a, 
in in the direction that we think or you know that's be beneficial for the companies uh, but the companies we pick are generally uh, longer term so we have little turnover uh, there is some but but generally not too high because because we consider them great businesses and um, so you know it, it's a type of business that you want to own yourself and and recently, we've also started a program where we're beginning to reach out to the companies as well. So it's it's a form of active ownership in addition to passive ownership. So the idea there is um, reaching out and offering suggestions from for improvement from a consulting perspective. It could be free consulting or advisory advice that we provide, but it could also be some type of paid consulting project that, you know, if it's a longer term, more involved, uh, we have some of our team working on it type thing for a longer term. So, so it's more of a active approach as well as passive approach, uh, with, which is unique and also provides better uh, approach. Uh, the whole concept of ESG is, is relevant here. So more, more active ownership. A lot of people don't do that. Um, we also look at the, uh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. There's 17 of them. So we, we like to see companies that are doing a lot of those. Uh, we, we don't do agenda-based environmentalism, so we don't go looking for companies that have these goals. But if they have them, and the more they have them, that's, that's great. So we, we look at it from more uh, that perspective. Um, and uh, we're also a signatory to the UN uh, principles for responsible investing. Uh, so we're we're not we're not again taking the agenda-based approach from UN policies, but but rather we're we're very unique in in that uh, in that mandate from the UN. So we provide some uh, some really interesting insight, uh, like nobody does the way we do ESG and sustainability. Um, we also have. Um, uh, an emphasis on three areas of ESG and sustainability. So we look at ESG metrics. These are types of uh, quantitative numbers that assess the, how, how uh, businesses are doing for ESNG, environment, uh, social, and, and governance factors. We also uh, look at socially responsible investing. So we do some positive screening and some negative screening, like you know we filter out businesses doing production of weapons or, you know, that type of thing. So, so there's certain things we filter out, certain things we like to see that's more socially responsible investing. And we like to see the businesses doing impact investing. So what that means is they have, they have projects or initiatives uh, still financially accountable and they're still looking for financial gain, but that do an impact. They have some type of impact uh, in the industry they're in or in, in something that is good from a sustainability perspective. Um, and we also are looking at, um, like on the carbon emissions question, we look at A to Z, so the entire life cycle. Uh, this is also very unique because, you know, a lot of people only look at uh, uh, once you have a solar panel, there's no pollution. Once you have an EV battery, there's no pollution. But is that really true? You have to look at the whole life cycle, the whole equation. How how much pollution did it require to create 
that solar panel. All the mining and the milling operations is quite extensive. Same thing on the EV batteries, right? So, um, and then you ask yourself, I mean, are, are the, uh, is there sufficient metals for, for all of this to happen to only uh, solar panels and wind turbine? Answer is no, it's, it's, it's going to be quite challenging given, given where we're at, uh, uh, but also the, the, uh, the idea of the mining and milling of these creating lots of, of pollution. So, I mean, the answer is all of the above in terms of energy, you know, what should we have as a mix of all of the above, but, but uh, we look for businesses that are emphasizing uh, solutions which make sense across all the life cycle and also address the other side of the equation. So technology companies that can make more efficient use of, of uh, diminishing resources or existing resources go farther. So that's the whole purpose of education and engineering is, you know, how, how can you make uh, a, a small amount of resource or, or diminishing resources go farther, right? So how, how can you uh, make it more efficient, you know, the uh, energy, uh, even though it's costing more, more efficient, so you, you use less of it, uh, you know, using technology and innovation. And also above all, a positive ROI, positive return on investment. So to the, um, you know, MBA-minded, uh, uh, you know, management running a company, you would want to see positive ROI. So you're not doing sustainability or ESG, you know, as an expense. So uh, I actually created a service called Carbon Emissions Reduction Service um, that is a, a, a process of business process optimization that actually will reduce uh, expenses on the bottom line on, on the PL statement uh, because you're, you're getting efficiencies of improvement, streamlining of operations, but at the same time, you're lowering carbon emissions at, at the same time. So, so it's a positive ROI altogether, but you're also uh, lowering carbon emissions at the same time. So, we're, yeah, we're strong believers on um, sustainability solutions that have positive ROI. Right. Great, great approach using yeah. Austrian economics to, to think about profit as not something evil, but something that should be sought and while also being environmentally responsible. Sure. Do, do, you, want, do you want to go ask ahead? Go ahead. Okay. You, you have the floor. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so, Richard, uh, based on those principles and the and the, the those seventeen UN uh, no metrics, but those uh, what can I say orientations instructions. Yeah. Can you invest in like gold mining companies, uranium mine mining companies? Like, is that part of your strategy? Like, I'd like to know what are your opinions on on gold and uranium, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, or even oil and gas companies. But I think yeah. Really this under the same question. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, if you think about it, like what is it that is needed to bring about uh, like renewable energy? So there needs to be a lot of mining going on um, to meet, uh, if you look at what's, what should happen or is planned to happen or is being targeted to happen between now and 2030, between now and 2050, there, there's a lot of uh, 
of goals in that regard, you know, especially for renewable uh, energy type of systems, uh, you're going to need a lot of metals, and a lot of type of, um, so what does that mean? I mean, you're going to have to get more, more cobalt, you know, more zinc, uh, more copper. So it's, it's going to be necessary to do that. So, I mean, to, to invest uh, in in uh, mining companies that, that that are targeting that would be part of the of the vision, right? Of, of renewable energy to, to get to that point, it has to be right. How else how else are you going to get there? So so um, now the other side of the equation too is the mining activities. So there are uh, ways of doing mining that are much more responsible. So you know emphasizing that as well. Um, actually, that that firm that I mentioned earlier, Friedberg Mercantile Group, um, had had uh, investment in a uh, Dundee sustainable company that uh, based in Toronto, which would convert a lot of the pollution, like in the gold mining activities, into uh, in, into hard substances that that won't dissolve in water. So they would display, you know, his is the effluent. It's actually some arsenic, but I can put it in this water and still drink the water and everything is fine. You know, so, uh, you know, there has to be that type of, of um, uh, approach. Uh, I mean, the, the whole idea also is, is uh, mining activities, uh, making sure also there's alignment with the community, right? So we're, you know, we're big on that. There has to be a acknowledgement, right, for ri any risk mitigation, so strong on that. Um, Nuclear energy has always been on my uh, mind. As I mentioned, uh, when I when I was back in university in the uh, early 1980s, I actually did research on nuclear fusion. Um, so that is sort of the opposite of nuclear fission. Is sort of what we have today. Um, the the uh, there are some challenges with nuclear fission, but many of those have been addressed and. You know, we, we have the advantage of uh, little or no carbon emissions overall, right, on, on nuclear fission reactors. There's other types as well, more advanced reactors, thorium, different nuclear fuels. Uh, but that certainly uh, or should be a part of the strong, you know, use now is nuclear fission energy and then leading into nuclear fusion. So, so um one aspect on oil and gas companies that where there's a link with nuclear fusion is we actually have uh a, there's there's uh there's only a couple like three or four companies in the world we actually have two of them in our portfolio oil and gas companies that own and invest in nuclear fusion uh, private companies so there's nothing publicly listed yet but they own these these re, these uh, fusion energy development companies and so that would uh, encompass what they own as an asset. And once it's developed, they'll be reaping the profits from that, even you know, being an integrated oil and gas company. Um, and it, it's very important to think also uh, of translating the legacy in, uh, income and revenue right, from, from these oil and gas companies into the renewable sector. So there was uh, like Shell Oil, uh, in the Netherlands, had a, had an issue there where there was an activist investor in New York that was trying to break up the company into two one legacy, one renewable. But you, 
you can't do that, right? It's just you, you need the, to use the legacy revenue as a development into uh, renewables. Um, and, and, and where it's, again, positive ROI, where it makes sense. So one of the biggest areas we like, again, is fusion energy. So that's why we have those two oil and gas companies, right? And there needs to be a transition. The other thing, a transition planning. Uh, what's happening now in Europe is essentially no no transition planning. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you can't just eliminate fossil fuels overnight. Like there's no ready, uh, scalable, robust uh, solution ready, right? And so now what do you have? You've got people going back to burning wood and, and coal. Yeah. And especially in, in Germany, it's lignate, which is even worse polluting than the coal from West Virginia. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's very polluting. So, so that's what you, you know, you need a transition plan and that has to be um, also looked at from a sustainability ESG perspective on the fossil fuels. And then that leads into, you know, fusion energy, let's say in the future, uh, there has to be some transition planning, you know, to get you to 2030 and 2050. So that's, that's our view. Yeah. It's nice. And do, do you have any any uh, position on on nuclear energy companies? Actually, like a you, you mentioned, you have two that own some. You said fission fission uh, uh, nuclear fission, right? Nuclear nuclear fission uh, way of generating energy, mm -hmm. but in nuclear energy like i know there are not many options but like uh i know there are two or, th or three etfs you can buy i guess it's uranium and chemical like do you, do you think nuclear energy is a part is a part of the sustainability approach or is or could be like the opposite of that um yeah so the there's a few ways to to do it. There there are some companies that are um, have uh, almost exclusive um, area of focus in some of the life cycles of of nuclear fission. So those are interesting, and, and some of those cover a few of those uh, life cycle areas. Um, currently, what we have is we actually have the the commodity itself uh, in the portfolio. So we have a position. In the in the Sprott uh, uranium um, fund, which is actually uh, set up as a trust, so you're you're literally physically owning, um, you know, uranium. Uh, so th this is actually uh, so it's basically the fuel. You actually actually own the fuel. So it's a lower risk play than than going into companies, especially smaller uranium mining companies. We think uh, we are considering a few of the majors to add. Um, but uh, you're right now it's just limited to uh, the actual fuel uranium fuel itself so we, we actually have a position on that so it's like it's basically like a trust holding um, gold or, or silver you know okay all right and on gold do you, do you have any position on on gold mining companies yeah so the the uh, the way we're doing gold is um, uh, somewhat similar to the uranium, we actually maintain a position of 5% uh, 
gold and 5% silver uh, physical bullion that is held um, at, at the Canadian Mint uh, in the form of the Sprott Trust. So the Sprott Trust, they're listed in New York and in Toronto. And again, it's physical metal, so much better than these. Um, uh, th there are some aspects that have le less risk than this whole yeah. GLD or those others where there, there could be some force majeure issues. Uh, uh, you know, it's and you might only be paid in cash instead of if the price were to rise on a, on a weekend, if there was some reevaluation re of, of the gold price, there's certain scenarios that, that, that would be, uh, that would not make sense. Right. So we hold it more as the, the closest thing to holding physical uh, as you can. So exchange traded, but in the form of a trust and it's backed with, with real gold uh, held at the Canadian mint. So that, that's basically our approach for that. Well, we do have uh, also a, uh, a royalty gold company that that uh, uh, is basically only getting the cash flow, which again, we're big on uh, for, for gold. So it doesn't have the, the issues associated with mining companies. Um, uh, the other thing is on mining, on the gold mining companies, many of them tend to do share dilution, right? They'll issue more more shares, which dilutes the value of each share. So that's we don't like that. Um, so yeah, there's other factors that we're you know not as as interested in, uh, especially the junior mining. It's not not uh, aligned with our qualification process. Okay. Let me let me change the just the the question here. Uh, if someone's wants to work with a company like the cedar portfolio um or wants to join your team what type of qualifications do you look for in a professional that wants to join your team yes yeah great question um we actually have a program too with one of the nearby universities here in place uh where we take on interns for like an internship program so that's that's one way uh, we, we get uh, new people in, uh, but also the the type of characteristic uh, you know that we look for. We we like uh, um, uh, students that are you know, eager to learn, that can learn by themselves, to take initiative in learning, uh, because what happens is sometimes there's a part of the work where it's not quite well defined, but you know, someone with some initiative can find a workaround or how to address that problem, right, in the course of the work process. Uh, so that's that's uh, key. We, we, we like that a lot. Um, and also open-minded, right, because uh, a lot of the university students are taking economics from a Keynesian, uh, you know, school of economics perspective. Uh, some may have never heard of the Austrian school of economics until they, they meet us. So <laughs> that's interesting, but, but, um, so, but yeah, we, 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 and we're not like, you know, fundamentalists on only Austrian school, right? There's aspects of other schools that we look at as well, but, but it, the, the, the majority, right, the, is, is using Austrian school of economics approach. Um, uh, so yeah, open-minded, uh, we like to look at, um, uh, and uh, and we also like uh, you know more uh, flexible arrangements.
apartments, right, where people can work where they they're uh, living or if, if they're traveling. So we we you know if they if they like to work with it within that type of um, arrangement, um, uh, I- international as well. So uh, we have uh, related entity in in Singapore there. Um, and also we have advisors in, in different countries. Um, so those, those present some, um, you know, different views, uh, open-minded. We, we do podcasts. Um, actually, uh, we've been recently doing a lot of podcasts, even in, in Spanish. So we have a, a few coming up uh, with some economists between um, Argentina. We're doing one next in a, in a week or two here uh, on Spain and, and Argentina, the, the economy um so yeah p- people that are I- international I- international minded right because uh a lot of people will get confused like uh, especially like you got people in the u.s they only look at the u.s as, uh they, you know they don't see it outside so we, we like the people that are looking at international viewpoint the macro view um inter- so yeah it's, I, I love to hear the, the international part. If I, I, I wrote this down, if I can summarize it, you look people with initiative, open-mindedness, uh, who, are, who are, uh, want, are okay with working in a flexible environment, which I believe you, you do a lot of work from home, right? We're remote working. And also international-minded who can understand and relate with, with different and I love the international part because that's what our MBA brings too. <laughs> yes, the yeah. college, yeah, exactly right. That's exactly right. So yeah, it's. Um, uh, I mean, it's very important today because the, you know, the world is very, um, you know, different. It's uh, this. Uh, we think there's a lot of globalization uh, still happening, um, uh, although maybe in the indebted Western world. Uh, this it looks like there's some issues there, or they 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 believe the the world is going you know in the other direction, but maybe it's only more more so in those countries, right? So you know, U.S., Canada, Western Europe, <laughs> uh, Australia, New Zealand, right? It's more um, happening there is is less globalization, but uh, but in terms of overall, yeah, it's still uh, it's still on the rise, and so therefore. Well, you need to look at international capital flows, not only for economics understanding, but also for, for investment uh, environment as well. Let me ask just another question and I'll, I'll turn back to, to let, let Arthur do the, the final questions. But you, you mentioned podcast quite a couple of times and you keep going back to, to your podcast. Uh, do, you, do you see this as a and we are also doing a podcast here, so it's it's our uh, our part of our marketing strategy. But how how do you see the podcast nowadays as a tool to to bring out ideas and marketing? And what what is it that what is it that you like so much about podcasts? Yeah, there's, there's many aspects to it. I mean, normally I'll, I'll be in the host role myself and our research strategist Ira Harris. He's got over 40 years experience on, on floor as a floor trader. Um, and he served as director for the Chicago Mercantile Exchange a couple of times. 
so you know, normally we, we do that. So that helps us in our research, in our in our research activities, in our trading activities, uh, to understand, you know, uh, by by talking to some of the best fund managers, economists from around the world, we 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 uh, were directly part of that discussion, um, and it's generally forty five minutes an hour. So we we get the sort of distilled version from extensive research that they might be doing. Um, and uh, also at the end, we, we ask, you know, generally, you know, asset classes, which asset classes do you like? Or, um, and uh, wh where do you see the trends going in the dollar? Or, you know, there's all kinds of questions. So it's cross asset, not, not only equities, but we, we want to understand the relationship between uh, bonds, commodities, currency, and equities, those four asset classes, because there's relationships be between them and they affect each other. So that goes into our technical analysis as well in, in, into our research. Um, the, and there's also the awareness, right, of us in the podcast. Uh, we're, we're not directly advertising the, the portfolio and the index that we have. Um, so it's more of an ind indirect you know, in that sense, so we identify, um, you know, who we are, but, but um, you know, so there's that aspect sort of that can help a bit on marketing. Um, and uh, it's also an educational platform, like I said, so uh, for, for everybody to understand the economy today, wh why is it uh, like it is today? What are the challenges? Um, I mean, it also helps you identify, you know, wh where are the jobs, where are the opportunities, um, and um, you know, what should we be doing? Maybe uh, uh, what you know, in terms of uh, e economic thinking, or, or you know, putting forth new ideas. So th there's all kinds of benefits, features to it uh, from that perspective. Um, and so we 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 have it as a, it's a like business unit, but there's not any any revenue we make from that so it's more like a public service you know to, to the larger community um and uh we, we we do advertise a few uh like uh retirement facilities that are mostly in asia that might help out people um so we we have some uh, reference to that there's six of them uh you know where somebody could retire very, very low monthly type of thing so, um, but yeah, so it, it does a lot of purpose, different ideas. So we, we bounce different ideas. You know, what do you think of this? You think this could happen? Um, and, uh, and especially uh, people that have a big research team, like uh, we've done with the Louis Vincent Gave of Gave Call. Uh, he was actually recently doing a podcast in, in Brazil as well. Um, so he's based out of Hong Kong, his firm. Uh, spends most of his time in, in uh, near Vancouver in Canada. It uh, owns a, like a soccer team in France, so sometimes he goes there. But, but yeah, he's he's one of uh, the great uh, people we admire. Uh, Dr. Mark Faber, as well. He's based in Chiang Mai, a Swiss economist, Chiang Mai, Thailand. He's based there. He has a firm. His firm is in Hong Kong. Um, so these the uh, the people we like to talk. And interview, uh, do podcast discussions. We like, especially when they have economic history background. So, uh, because then they take more of the international perspective. Oh, this happened in 
you know, in World War II or something, or back, in, you know, two or three hundred years ago, you know, and or every history this has gone on for millennia. Um, so yeah, it's that, and um, also we, we've done a few. Um, uh, podcasts like on art and, and uh, architecture. So we had some people, I have some, uh, some uh, villas and um, like palaces from, you know, uh, a thousand years ago in, in, in Europe and stuff like that. So that, that, that was very interesting because to understand the challenges of um, uh, like art, you know, as an asset class and uh, how that, you know, behaves in, in uh, times of like uh, government expropriation and, you know, th th times like that. So um, a, a large part of our theme on the podcast is financial repression. So, um, you know, because the, it could take several forms. You, uh, maybe it's, uh, it's uh, intent, the, the, the intentions are, are well-meaning, like by central banks, but the, the, it could have adverse consequences, right, to the economy and to, to investors and to workers, so we, we look at those uh, those issues uh, because the you know it could be interest rates are repressed financially or or there's higher inflation to wither away the purchasing power of the currency right as a tool of financial oppression. Uh, so a, a large part of the theme is that looking at what's happening uh, to protect from those risks and those trends. Very cool. <clears throat> All right. Well, I guess I have two more questions, Richard. Uh, first one, uh, there are some characters in, in financial markets that, are, that we know that use Austrian economics as a, a tool for investments, uh, such as yourself, uh, Peter Schiff, the guys at Incrementum that, that wrote the book, Austrian School for Investors, and uh, Mark Spitznagel. I'd like to know if you have if you keep contact with with them, if you change information, like is there any kind of, of contact between between you guys? Um, some, some, um, and we've had some of them on our program podcast show as well. Uh, so that makes for very interesting discussions. Some uh, not really interested in coming on to you know a public forum. Um, and some only have, you know, maybe a restriction to certain types of forum. Um, like we, we did a podcast with uh, Zoltan Pozar of Credit, Credit Suisse. Uh, so that was big. I think we had like 85,000 views on that one. But, but uh, I think they were moving to more of a, of a smaller set of uh, people that they do podcasts with. Uh, which is fine you know so you know we just uh, uh we reach out to, to uh as many as we can because we, we like to get that austrian school of economics perspective and um you know so we we asked would you like to be on our show discuss what you're you know we admire your th thoughts and views highly and you know it'd be great to have you on our show um and uh, but we, you know we 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 don't just restrict ourselves only to austrian school economists right so we try to get different perspectives from from different people as well so yeah this depends but yeah some some uh, and um yeah we'll, we'll do uh we, we stay in touch uh some are uh, we have a big trading room as well where you know people doing short-term trading so some 
Some are in there um, on a daily basis. So we, we, we talk to people there uh, like literally daily during the, during the financial markets. I see. Oh, that's great. Well, and the other question is, uh, what is your daily routine and like your routine of studies of working or how you deal with, with your employees? <laughs> You still, I, I, I believe you still study Austrian economics a lot. Like, I don't know what, what are you reading right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, what do I, I like, well, the first that I begin my day, I actually go just outside here in the countryside and do, uh, I have a exercise routine, like, um, 150 push-ups, 200, Uh, squats, uh, 200 jumping jacks, 51 burpees. That's my, uh, my routine. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes do a little bit of running. So, you know, to try to, to, uh, get a clear mind and, uh, get, get everything moving again. Um, and, uh, but a, a large part of the day is very diverse. So it's not always the same day, sometimes meetings downtown. Um, and it's also, uh, there's some consulting work. So we have consulting projects that could be to, different firms, maybe banks, uh, wealth management uh, firms, and so, uh, or risk management type of projects. So, so we, we do that, uh, that might entail meetings, some are face-to-face, -face, some are online, you know, using Zoom or Teams or, you know, Google Meet or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, there's different types of activities. Uh, I mean, uh, working with our team, it could be like a team meeting um, di directing, uh, projects, um, and we use everything for communication from, you know, internet to, um, even WhatsApp on, uh, what, what should be the next step on our project. Um, I also, I mean, I've got meetings in the day, but also at night. So like Monday night have meeting in for, with, uh, Asia, Singapore. So that's a nighttime for me. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and then sometimes attending, you know, events, right. That could be conferences or events. So it's, it's quite diverse, which, which is, makes it interesting, right. You're not, not always sitting down all day yep. or, or not always standing up, you know? And so sure. it's, it's really uh, makes for, and also interesting, you know, interesting people. We do the podcast. Um, and so it's always meeting, uh, interesting people, uh, like yourself also. So it's, we're really <laughs> yeah. happy that it's it's amazing how podcasting is an opportunity to also yeah. meet people in addition to creating yeah. content right? yeah this is very good so so richard just to close off tell, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit share your screen and tell us a little bit more about the the cedar portfolio and the work you guys do oh yeah sure um yeah so if i can uh share my screen here Let me take a minute here but uh, yeah so we have set up a a dedicated site um that uh, website uh, sorry and uh, it, should, it, it should be coming up here shortly uh it's a website the uh url is cedarportfolio.com and so this talks about our our portfolio uh, it also gives an, uh, a link to the index so it's uh index is basically the the weightings that we have set up to to make an index that is monitored by uh, a company in Germany called Beta 
data, B-I-T-A. So every every day, every night, they they calculate, you know, what what the positives and negatives were on each holding. And so they'll graph, you know, so that way we got actual performance results, right, to show. Uh, but there's a lot of resources on our website. There's a little video we made. There's a link to in market environmentalism, which is those four principles I mentioned. There's a link to a portfolio presentation. Um, there's also, um, uh, you know, if you look around here, there's, uh, our, our team is also listed. If you hit on about on that page, there's, uh, you know, sort of our uh, management team uh, from different parts of the world. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's on the about. There's also the, a little bit of on our investing approach. So this has some uh, links to uh, I think the two books uh, that you referenced, uh, Arthur, on uh, you know, one, one book by Incrementum, one book by uh, uh, by Mark Spitznagel on that, that talk about different approaches to using Austrian School of Economics for investing. Uh, there's also some links here to, uh, we've linked to PRI to the UN, um, you know, and so also some, um, uh, some videos, uh, the Mises Institute, where we also do a lot of podcast discussions with people from the Mises Institute, different Mises Institute from different countries around the world. Um, and there's a book you can actually download here, uh, how market environmentalism can protect nature and save the world. So uh, this was done by the British Conservation Coalition uh, with some other organizations as well. Uh, it's a great book. It's like a couple couple hundred pages. So uh, yeah, you can download that and and read that. Um, so yeah, lo lots of resources. Uh, we have also there's a trading service uh, if anybody's interested with with our research strategist Ira. Uh, can get you a trial, a trial service uh, if anybody's interested on that. Great. There's a lot of stuff to go through and some educational material. Uh, it's very, yeah. very, very interesting. We'll also link your website to the, to the, to the description. And, and how can uh, so, go, ahead. Or, oh, sorry, yes. go ahead, Andrew. That's a good question. How can someone invest in, in your funds? Like it's actually one fund, right? Or you have more than one? Uh, okay, so the yeah, the way we are set up is we're doing the portfolio asset allocation research, and we've got the index set up. As I mentioned, uh, we prefer our relationship to be as a sub advisor to people that want to you know set up a uh, separately managed account or uh, okay. so that they handle more of the direct client relationships and and the funds and all that so um and so that's we're more in that role you know in terms of research consulting and uh, uh asset allocation type of services the um the um the products uh in that we're involved with is um a traditional type of fund setting up in in uh, europe um through another company and then actually, we actually have some, uh, we have, have an, uh, initiatives also in Singapore, but even in uh, South America. So, um, 
because uh, we, we, there's a lot happening uh, with some of the uh, banks there, um, uh, BTG Bactual, uh, Banco Bradesco, I think, is doing some with uh, digital security tokens, Argentina as well. So there's actually, um, we have a strong interest in actually setting up um, the, the, uh, the portfolio as, as, as a digital security token issued in Brazil and maybe cross-listed uh, with the New York, uh, you know, in, in other jurisdictions, but in, initially uh, set up in, in Brazil. So that's one initiative we're pr pr pursuing at this time. Okay. Amazing. So <clears throat> for the Brazilians out there, if anyone's watching us, there's an opportunity for an international portfolio to come into Brazil and give us some good different products. So let's let's close out the. We had a great conversation. We're over one hour here already. Just uh, it was an honor having you with us, uh, Richard, and also thank you, Artur, for being my co-host today. Would you guys have any closing remarks? Uh, Arthur, you want? Well, I just want to yeah. thank you, Edson, for the opportunity of being here and Richard for the amazing insights you, you brought today. Like it was really fruitful and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And well, thank you. Yes, th thank you likewise uh, so much for having me on your program show. Very happy to do this. And uh, yeah, just um, words of wisdom to uh, to, as as you mentioned, Edson, for you know, keep everything international-minded, international focus, um, and the the prospects for for um, growth, economic activity, and you know, heading in the right direction is is being a lot led by your firm uh, for Brazil and and South America, the whole Latin America region. Awesome, thank you, thank you, and thank you everyone who watched this, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.